This morning we are uh, in Luke chapter 14, and we're going to be starting reading of verse 7 in, in just a moment. Here, uh, uh, for a little context, he's at a banquet or at a dinner with a bunch of Pharisees. Uh, I said that like it's a bunch of bad people. A bunch of they were uh, looking for a Messiah that had been promised in the Old Testament, but they refused to accept that this man from Nazareth, this carpenter's son, was him. And that's where they were. And so there was this constant confrontation through Jesus' ministry with the Pharisees of what he was teaching and what they believed. But here he was at dinner with them that night. Uh, and he's constantly pushing the envelope. Uh, and he'd just done it in those first six verses of this chapter. You know, they were very strict about the Sabbath and what you could or could not do. And he, he basically said, hey, is it okay to heal people on the Sabbath? This is our Jesus, right? And they would have said no, but first they couldn't really heal people anyway, which I thought it was an interesting question to ask. And so he just goes ahead and does it to a man there that was disabled in front of them on the Sabbath at this dinner. And he's already, you know, he's already kind of ruffling some feathers. And then he gets into this story that he shares uh, that we'll read in just a minute. This, this story at the heart of this, um, it gets to the heart of ambition and where we fit in uh, socially. It gets to this question that we, that we tend to ask and the world defines really into two different groups. We're either a somebody or we're a nobody. Do you see that in the world? Do you feel the pressure around that in life? And, you know, whether you're, you're a young student and you're in college and you're trying to figure out life and, and you may feel like sometimes you're a nobody and those people are somebody. Or, or maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe just in life in general, you've always felt like you were a nobody and this other group of people were somebodies. And that, that, that's, I want to take kind of that definition and, and think about that for a minute. And I want to share just a, kind of a personal story for me um, where this kind of happened. In this story we're going to read, uh, Jesus basically tells them when they would go into these banquets, the, the, the greatest place of honor was directly beside the host to the right. And then it went to the left, and then it went out a little bit to the right and out a little bit to the left, and it staggered back and forth. And so what was happening, he saw these guests, and this is, this is America, okay? This is America. He saw these guests fighting as hard as they could to get as close to the host as they could, trying to build their own status, trying to, to be recognized as maybe something they weren't, but at least they were fulfilling, they were, they were saying what was in their heart that they thought they were somebody and they wanted other people to think they were somebody. And they were trying hard to make it in life and be somebody. And Jesus says, don't do that. And then he tells us what to do. And we're going to read the story in a minute. I got a similar story. It happened uh, to Bethany and I. You all have heard my story about the... the uh, this this car, I put a picture. That's not the exact one, but that's the model we drove when we got married when we were seniors in college, and this was our, our luxury car. Uh, we called it the Egg, the White Egg. It was a 2001 Ford Focus. And you've heard my story about how it would die going up hills, and uh, I just took it. I read this thing online about how to fix it, and I had to pull this valve out. I'm not a mechanic by any stretch. and stick a golf tee in this hose, and it worked perfect from then on. So the car we had, we drove it around. It had a golf tee and some kind of valve. I don't know what it was, but it worked. We didn't care. But anyway, we were driving this one time. We went down to, uh, went down to Apple Days. Uh, you all know Apple Days, the festival down in Paintsville. 
drove down. I don't think I've ever told this story in a sermon, but we, we drove down, and we were excited, and uh, we were driving through town trying to find a place to park. And, um, and, and we, I came around this corner, and there was a lot of traffic, and I just kind of pulled out into this line of traffic. And I, I started to look at the car in front of me. I thought, that's a really nice car. I looked in my rearview mirror, and it was this really nice car. And then I looked to the sides, and the streets were lined with people. And I realized pretty quick we were in the classic car section of the parade. <laughs> in our Ford Focus, four cylinder, rusting. And, and it wasn't long before, you know, I realized people in front of us behind us were throwing out candy. And people on the sides of the street started throwing candy at us. Like it was hitting our, like, it was obvious, you know, muscle car, muscle car, cool car, cool car. What is that? And they were literally, the kids were throwing candy like you're in the wrong place. And I realized that, uh, and when I was reading this story, I was thinking about that kind of moment in life of how, you know, you just, you realize you don't fit in and you're not part of this group. And I, I need to, I'm in with the somebodies and I should be over there with the nobodies. And that is what was happening here. People were trying, they were getting their life out of sorts. They were fighting so hard to try to be something. And, but Jesus teaches them here in this little parable what to focus on. If you really want to be somebody, he teaches them here how to do that. And so that's what we want to talk about uh, this morning. So I asked this question, uh, are you a somebody? Are you a nobody? And as I was thinking through it this morning, I made y'all a cool little matrix. You, you can really fall into four different buckets here. Because there's a way the world will classify you as a somebody or a nobody. And there's, there's a way that we feel in our heart. Okay, and this is what we want to talk about this morning. Now, all of us at some point in time have been in this area. Sometimes we have been to the world a nobody. I've been a nobody plenty of times in my life. I can remember when I was selling guitars, uh, at just working part-time at a guitar store, and I can remember somebody at church coming up to me saying, when are you going to get a real job? I know that feeling. I know if somebody to look at somebody and say, you're a, you're a nobody, and to feel like that. Uh, and so, but you can have the heart be different. So you can be a nobody to the world, and in your heart think you are somebody, and start acting and behaving like you are somebody. And these people are not fun to be around when they are fighting and scratching, doing anything to get to the top, and they want to be somebody so bad that they just believe in their heart. That's where they're supposed to be, and they're going to try to get there, and they're going to go take the seat as soon as they can. You can be a nobody of the world, and you can realize in your heart, I am a nobody. You can be somebody in the world, and in your heart, you can know and act like you're somebody in the world. We all know those. These, these are the people that are leaders that are so arrogant. I mean, they're so arrogant that they know they are who they are, and they got where they are by themselves. They are somebody by the world's measure. And they act and they feel and they believe that they are where they're supposed to be. And then you can have a somebody in the world that in their heart realizes they're just a nobody that's been blessed. 
that's been given opportunity to not accomplish status, but to serve. And that is what Jesus is talking about here. Let's read this scripture. Let's start in Luke chapter 14 and uh, in verse 7. Let me find it. I'm in Mark. You don't want me to read that? You'll get real confused. Luke 14, 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. That happened to me in the parade. I got out in the parade. I was in the wrong place. People throwing candy at me. This was embarrassing. The parade leader didn't come say, hey, you're not supposed to be in here, but that's the position I was in. Had I gone on long enough, I'd have been ran out of that place. Then it says... In verse 10, um, we're going to go through 11 right now, and then we'll read the last few verses. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. We have a powerful lesson here. Jesus really teaches us, uh, uh, he's being a good parent here. He teaches us really simply two things, what not to do and what to do. He starts out in these first few verses saying, don't do this. In the last two verses, he says, do this. So what does he say and what does he say not to do? And I've already talked about it at, at length, really, in an introduction. Is, is he saying uh, to these guests that are going to this banquet, don't fight hand, tooth, and nail to get to the seat of honor, because when you place your, that, yourself there, doesn't mean near as much as if you let the host take you and seat you there. It changes how the people around you see you. It changes your ability to serve and lead and impact those around you. And that's what he was teaching. So for us, who's a, who is a, uh, a somebody? What does a somebody look like? Maybe there's no perfect definition. Well, when I say, man, that person is somebody, what do you think about if you're imagining a person, what are they? Throw, throw some things out. Politician, so a political leader, they've got some type of influence uh, or power over something. What else? A star, a celebrity, they got money, they've got wealth, people know who they are, they're recognized, they're famous. What else? A policeman, somebody got some power and influence. Uh, so we think of business leaders sometimes, executives, presidents, uh, professionals, maybe physicians, doctors, uh, engineers, attorneys. We think of uh, 
those people many times as somebodies. Um, and so very much like the, uh, these guests at this banquet, we will take our lives, and there's really two ways we can play into this. Either we can work really hard and say, I want to try to get into this position of status. And you're working really hard to try to be get those things that make you look like you have status. And it could be a lot of different things. It could be chair of some volunteer committee. It could be, uh, you know, the clothes you wear. It could be uh, the car you drive. It could be the neighborhood you live in. All those things can be kind of indicators uh, of status. So uh, we're really all either in two groups. One, we're either fighting hard trying to get those things to appear like one way or the other. But most of us fit into this other place where we just feel the worldly pressure. We feel the pressure to be in that world. Does that make sense? Like we just, it's like they had a party. I didn't even want to go to the party. I wouldn't have gone to the party, but it kind of hurts that I wasn't at the party. Does that make sense? You were uninvited, you feel unincluded, or you feel left out. Uh, somebody versus uh, nobody. And so we have this story. There's, there's four things that happen when you seek status and you try to get it yourself, and it comes right from this text. Uh, one, it says you're going to be displaced at some point, at some time. In the short term, it may work, but over time, in the long term, at least eternally, if you think you are your own source of power and strength and independent, you will be Displaced, And many times we see it play out in this world. We see leaders who are so arrogant that they've lost the respect and the commitment to serve that eventually their team falls apart and people turn against them. The other thing you see is not only did when, when, they, when this guest got displaced, not only did they not, they get taken down a level of seats, the seat they probably should have been was already taken. It says basically they went all the way to the end of the line, they had to go all the way to the back. You also become humiliated. It can be very embarrassing when you get humiliated at a moment of pride. When you act like that, it discourages other people. Uh, you know, it, it makes them feel the way I just talked about because they're looking at you. And speaking of status, the other thing we do is on social media. I mean, we build out our profiles. I don't have Instagram, we, whatever that is. Uh, but I got Facebook, and I got a Twitter account. I think I tweeted something like about two years ago. I log in every now and then because people are always tagging me and stuff, and I never check it. I don't even know what's going on, there's, which is kind of dangerous. I get on, there's been whole conversations that I've been a part of that I didn't even know I was a part of. Um, but we put on social media, we, we try to, you know, we put our best foot forward there. And so we get wrapped up in this world where we're always looking at everybody's best foot forward. The best that they have, the good that they have. Nobody's putting all their dirty laundry on that. Well, some people do, literally. Uh, shouldn't do that. Uh, but you, you get wrapped up and see, and man, they got that car. They, they're living this life. They've been on that vacation. I'm not getting to do anything. And we feel the pressure that comes uh, along with that. But Jesus is not talking in this parable about technically what we do. He's saying the reason people are doing this is because their heart is in the wrong place. 
This is not about it's bad to be a somebody or nobody. This is about where is your heart in this? And this is where he gets to pretty quick. He says uh, what to do. We're so hungry to be somebody, uh, and that is part of our natural condition, that he realizes that as human beings, we just want to be recognized and we want to be seen as good and seen as successful. This is human nature. So either you're trying to do that or you feel frustrated that you haven't and you wish you were. Um, And so he tells us how to handle this, how to deal with it in the next two verses. He says, but when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence instead of humiliated of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the first thing he says not to do, he says, don't assume and act like you are somebody. In your heart, don't assume you are somebody and act like it. He says what to do is assume and act like you are a nobody. When you humble yourself, you find here that you're going to be acknowledged, you're going to be rewarded, you're going to be honored. We find that servant leadership, which is what this is really talking about here, uh, it, it builds stronger teams. While Jesus is talking about kind of eternal things, we find that this style of leadership and this approach uh, to realizing I'm going to choose service over status is actually the best way on this side of heaven to lead people, to support people, and, uh, and, and be a manager or, or be a coach. Servant leadership is at the heart of it, and that's what he's saying. Realize you're nobody and you're there to serve. This is a message about humility. Uh, so he tells us what not to do, tells us what to do, and it's about being humble. We'll give you three places. You say, well, man, not everybody's a nobody. You don't want to just live like you're just nothing and you're nobody your whole life. So why would I think that? Why would I think I'm a nobody? And so there's three places it comes from. One uh, is measuring ourselves against Christ. Measuring ourselves against Christ. This second one is continual conscience that God is always with us. He's always present with us. He's always there in the midst of every situation and we're never in control. And then an honest appraisal of ourselves. Don't you hate, you ever been in a job interview and they say, all right, tell us your greatest weakness. Don't you hate that question? You always, you know, you always turn it around, right? You always say, oh God, it's my work ethic. You know, I just work so hard. It's awful. It's, it's hard on my family. You know, I just, work, I just want to work so much and get so much done. It's awful. That's not an honest appraisal of yourself. An honest, honest appraisal of myself and, and management is I love ideas and I love creating new things. And I'm pretty good at that. I'm a creative person. Being an executor and getting things done is not my best suit. I actually don't like it. I'm forced to do it in many ways, but I'm not that great at it. I'm not an organized person. 
You want somebody to come and get all your files and folders in order? I'm not the guy. Like, I'm not the guy. I hate files. Why do they make files? But I know enough, you know, at SOAR where I work, I know enough that we got to be organized and we got to have files and folders that stuff's important. So I know enough, so I'm not going to do that. So we got to have somebody on the team that loves to do that. And we do. And I'm thankful for that person. Because we would have nothing if it was me. It would be in piles and everything would be shredded. I don't know where it would be. But that's not me. So an honest appraisal of ourselves to realize, God, I have failed you in this way or that way or whatever it is in your life that will take you to a point of humility. Here's what happens when you seek status over service, when you get things backward. When you're really just doing things to move forward and get ahead, uh, it limits your opportunity for kingdom impact for the church, for Christ. When it becomes about you and status and moving forward and being better and being seen and more powerful and uh, being the one people are calling for everything, when that is just what's top of mind in your heart that you're trying to do, it will limit your ability to truly change and share the message of Christ. Here's the core message. Here's the core thing. We got to get out of this. And I've seen it play out. I've seen this principle play out in my life and I've seen it play out in so many other lives. If you... If, if you want to be successful, if you want to make a difference, it's not about what you do, but it's about what motivates you. And what should motivate you is the name of this title. It is the, the motivation to serve. And what, what Jesus is promising here, if you are coming with a heart to serve, He promises you will be acknowledged and he will lift your status. He is not saying that you go lift your own status, you take care of it, you fight to get to the front of the table. He says you serve. You care about people. You live out what I've called you to do. And with my help, I'll invite you and I'll sit you at the head of the table. And when God, when somebody else invites you and puts you at the head of the table, it gives you a total different perspective of leadership for those around you because they know you weren't lying to get there you weren't cheating to get there you didn't steal to get there you didn't cut people down to get there you got there because you care about people he finishes uh he finishes this with a a little add-on story and he turns around to the host and he tells us what, motivate, what should motivate us when we're trying to help people or do things. He says, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And everybody's like, all right, can't have Thanksgiving this year. Can't. He said not to have dinner with friends and family. That's not the heart he's getting to here. 
Uh, that's totally different. What I'm talking about is when you are doing things intentionally to help somebody because you think they may be able to help you, which is the way this world works. It's the way business works. It's the way, you know, you're working every angle you can. That, I need that person to do this for me, so I'll ask them out to lunch or dinner. Or, I, But you're not doing it to serve. You're doing it to get something out of it. So there's, there should be some level of our heart where we're doing things for people just to be doing it for people, just to be serving and not expecting some repayment. Uh, for that in your heart it should be the motivating factor should be to serve so I've seen this principle play out in my own life and uh, I'm not going to share my my whole life story I uh, couldn't do it in eight minutes anyway uh, but I've seen this play out in my own life uh, who I've always been uh, a nobody and um, and for example um you know, and, and this is just to sum up about five years uh, of my life. I was, it was not long after that person said to me, won't you get a real job? Uh, you know, I was trading guitars and I, I was working hard. Now, this doesn't mean you don't work. It doesn't mean you don't, you, you don't go out and try. It just changes about why you try. You're trying because you care about people and you want to serve. And that's what uh, God put in my heart uh, and motivated me almost 10 years ago to help to serve and uh and I, I, was, I was selling guitars and that guy said that to me and within about five years a five-year time frame of that and I was a nobody I had no political connections my family is not political I don't I, not connected in any way whatsoever and within five years time I was working for the governor working to try to solve all the problems of Appalachia and Eastern Kentucky. And that, those five years, I remember when, uh, you know, I remember when I started working at the chamber, it was soon after that job, and it had the vice president in the title, and I wrestled with that so much. I wrestled with it because all my buddies that used to be at the guitar store that I worked with, you know, now wore a suit and tie, and they acted like I was somebody else, somebody different. The status level had changed, and it was like a different... It was just different. I was wrestling with it because I'm still just a nobody. Now i got a tie on. This is weird. And then the CEO left, and I became the president and CEO of the chamber. And I'm like, uh, me and Bethany both, I mean, she remembers when I dropped out of college. And I'm still just a nobody. But now certain people see me as a somebody just because this title that's there. And I'm just dealing with this world that was difficult for me, honestly. And then this new initiative starts out with the governor and congressman called Shaping Our Appalachian Region. I volunteered because I had a heart to serve. I've, I literally felt at one time in my life, I remember just praying and thinking, God, there should really be somebody that was kind of overseeing all the work that was happening in Appalachia, Kentucky. When I was at the chamber, there should be somebody. I just remember saying that. This seems all so disorganized. There needs like one point person, one group that should be doing that. No idea that eventually it was going to be me. No idea. And uh, I was volunteering, and the, they were doing this search to hire the, the first person for this job. The job I have now, there was the first employee for the organization. Was, many of you may remember. I mean, it was, uh, it was news everywhere. 
And I was going to those board meetings, and they were saying, we're doing a search for a, for a founding executive director. They're doing a national search. And I remember thinking, whoever takes that job is crazy. And the, the people that were doing the search, it was three people on a committee, all very much somebodies, right? And all, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm living in life as a nobody, and I'm around all these somebodies, and I'm trying to figure out where I'm at and who I am. And uh, the chair of the search committee calls me and says, why haven't you sent your resume? And I, I, don't, I, I hadn't even, I mean, I wasn't thinking through this principle this time, but I'm looking back at how God moved me through a path and how I didn't even apply for the job. Not that I'm anything special, but I'm just seeing, God, I see how that can work. I had not even applied. And when they said, will you, will you consider applying? I was like, I really don't know. And even when I got to the interview and I was the final three, I was like, I don't know. And they asked me the interview. They said, do you want this job? Like, everybody else wants this job. Everybody else is fighting hand, tooth, and nail to get to the front of the table because it was about status for some people. And all I was thinking, I remember when we were driving up for the interview, Bethany was with me. We interviewed, uh, when I was in the final three, I interviewed at a hotel outside the Cincinnati airport. Everybody else had flown in, PhDs, all these, you know, it wasn't me. I'm not the PhD guy or girls, the guy and a girl that I was uh, in the final three with. I remember driving up to that interview and thinking, maybe, maybe this isn't just this crazy challenge. Maybe this is the place the vehicle God's put this in my heart to serve and maybe this is that opportunity to do that and so they asked me at the end of the interview they said do you want the job we need to know before we move this forward and uh, I remember saying not really but yes <laughs> not really but yes I'm willing to do this I'm going to trust you all. If you think I'm the right person to do this, I don't feel like I am. Um, but if you think I am, I will give it my all. I promise you that. And, uh, you know, another week, two weeks, uh, interviewed with the governor and congressman. And, uh, and now, it, then it became really confusing for me showing up at all these things and all these places just being a nobody. <laughs> but some people looking at me and seeing me as a somebody. And this is important because I want you to think about Jesus for a moment because that's what this is all about. I want you to think about Jesus for a moment. I want you to think about, I said earlier, the Pharisees were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting for somebody. Let me tell you who they weren't waiting for. A nobody. They were waiting for a king. A powerful king. Who was going to lead them. The way that things had always been led. The way that, the, the way that countries had always been led. And, and things had been accomplished through this powerful form of arrogant leadership. But that's not how God came to this earth. He didn't come as a somebody. He came as a carpenter's son, as a nobody, as somebody just like me from the head of a holler. 
Except it wasn't a holler, it was from Nazareth. But it meant the same thing in their time and place. Remember Nathaniel. When they said, Nathaniel, we found the Messiah. You've got to meet this Jesus of Nazareth. He went, Nazareth? Whatever good has come out of Nazareth? Oh, boy. Then he met Jesus, and Jesus said, you're going to see greater things than all this because Jesus knew where he'd been. He knew where he'd been standing. He, I saw you under that tree. Nathaniel went, you really are the guy. And Jesus said, you're going to see greater things than this. But Jesus... This was it. They were looking for a worldly king. And here he was sitting at the banquet with them. They still didn't acknowledge who he was. Let me tell you this. There have been many worldly kings and great leaders that have come and gone, accomplished great things, built great palaces. They've conquered. They've taken over. And they've demanded respect. You know what today is? Who, who knows what the, the, today's date is? November 17th. What year? 2019. Before I go into this really good point, it's also Harker's birthday. It's our little boy's first birthday. They give him a big hand. He's, one, he's probably asleep. I think it might be Larry Ellswick's birthday, too. Where's Larry? Happy birthday. So I got two birthdays. Here's what I want you to get. When you get on your calendar on your phone, it says how many years? 2019. The whole world operates on a calendar and a schedule based on the life of a nobody. When you write the date on your paper, when you write the date on your check, whether you believe in God or not, whether you believe Jesus was God or was not God, right now the whole world operates. You see, before Jesus, nobody believed servant leadership. Nobody believed seeking service over status would work. It was actually, you were seen as a coward. It was, it was, it was meekness. It was, it was just like, That's just, that just doesn't work. You can't be a leader and be a servant. But see, Jesus came into the world as a nobody. And he went to the cross as a nobody. He wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just a great leader. He was Emmanuel. He was God with us. He, we have hope to be a somebody because of a nobody. He exhibited not only how we find salvation, but how we can live our lives and mimic the way he served, the way he loved, the way he cared, and the things that he taught. He was our, he's our creator. And even though we constantly get confused, because I showed you those four areas, either you're a nobody and you feel like you're somebody in your heart, nobody's stuck in one of those and can't get out. We've all been in that box in one of those places at one time in our life. We've all been there. But it doesn't even matter. At the end of that, it doesn't even matter. God is always standing with arms wide open, willing to love anybody. Anybody that realizes enough that in the scheme of eternity, I'm a nobody. 
I can't stand on my own good works. I got a few, but the, the bad far outweigh it. The letdowns, the mistakes I've made uh, make me unworthy to be in partnership with a righteous God. But through the blood of Christ, through the cross of Christ, when we get broken hearted and we come to Christ and realize, God, I am a nobody, that's where he fills us full <laughs> of his spirit. And we trust him to acknowledge us, to place us at whatever level of status he wants us. And we trust him with it all. When we get our heart there with Christ, he promised great reward of heaven and success here. I got this song I want to I play here at the end. I want to read you just the words of it. Uh, a little bit as I was studying this this morning it happened again remember a few weeks ago I played a song that I was studying that morning and it came up uh, you know God can work through YouTube it's pretty good and this this song came up and I would heard somebody mention to me in the past but I want I want to read you the words and then we're going to listen to it it says why you ever chose me has always been a mystery all my life I've been told I belong at the end of a line with all the other not-quites, with all the never-get-it-rights, but it turns out they are the ones you were looking for all this time. Because I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Second verse says this, Moses had stage fright, everybody's got a purpose. So when I hear the devil start talking to me saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Stand with us. Let's listen to this song. And I'd listen to it probably.